Willow. This is Ruin Willow, and you are listening to the Oh Fuck Yeah with Ruin Willow podcast. I am excited you're here. Do you ever get tired of me saying that? <laughs> I never get tired of saying it. Today I have a special treat, and it's about food. I'm a foodie. I actually delve into that quite a bit under my real name, real name content creation. So I'm all over this. I think this is a fabulous idea. How to eat your way to better sex. <laughs> it's about food. This person is an expert about food and how to eat for better sex. Um, fuck yes. <laughs> I love to eat and I love sex. And who doesn't want a way to have better sex that's enjoyable by eating food. Food is enjoyable in itself and it's sensual and yummy and so good. So this is a wealth of knowledge and I am so excited to share this interview with you. It is absolutely amazing. And the book is Diet for Great Sex, Food for Male and Female Sexual Health by Christine Delosier. She is an acupuncturist, and she knows all about nutrition. I'm going to read the little blurb for you. A fun, cheeky, scientific guide to eating for great sex with a bonus step-by-step instruction for amazing oral sex. As featured in Huffington Post, Marie Claire, CBS, and The Sun. Hot sex? Naturally? Sex truly becomes great when our nerves blood vessels, and hormones operate in synchrony. Luckily, modern research has shown that diet affects this trifecta, and having a great sex life might just be as easy as preparing the right dinner. In Diet for Great Sex, author Christine Delosier, licensed acupuncturist, explains how foods we eat can balance hormones increase blood flow, and strengthen nerve conduction to and from the genitals. Calling upon her years of experience treating sexual health issues and her training as a research scientist, Delosier walks listeners through the specific foods that will lead to great sex and explains the science of how it works. When our bodies are well-nourished, desire comes naturally. Pleasure comes naturally. An orgasm is effortless. Isn't it time you unlock the secret to eating for sexual pleasure? Well, hell yes, it is time for you to unlock that. Oh, fuck yeah. And orgasm is effortless? Sign me up. I'm ready. <laughs> After reading this book, I actually have incorporated some of her suggestions. And I think they're all great suggestions. I'm working my way through adding more and more all the time. And what a great thing. What a great thing. You can improve your sex life by what you eat. Now, I hope you enjoy this interview. I thoroughly enjoy talking with her. And it's a great, great place to start. If you want to have better sex, just eat your way there. <laughs> Ow, hell yes. Okay, are you ready? Here we go. Here is the interview with Christine. I am so excited, everyone. This is just an amazing talk. You're going to learn so much 
from this woman. She has this book out that tells you how to have better sex based on what you eat. You don't have to buy anything different or new. It's just food. Isn't that amazing? And do you believe me? Well, stick around and find out what Christine Delosier has to say. She is an acupuncturist, an herbalist, and an author, and she has authored the amazing book, Diet for Great Sex. And it is an evidence-based understanding of the physiological effect of food on the body while honoring the wisdom of traditional Chinese medicine. Welcome, Christine. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm so excited you're here. Now, Tell me something, what's the meat, biggest point of your book, like your favorite fact or your favorite amazing thing? Well, I would say that first off, we have to talk about what great sex looks like, you know, in the body, because we tend to think about great sex as a psychological phenomenon, the right person, the right mood, the right situation. But physiologically, great sex is when our nerves are firing strong, rapid signals of pleasure to and from our genitals. It's when our blood vessels are delivering optimal blood flow, and it's when sex hormones are balanced. When all those three pieces are in place, we have great sex. We have more pleasure. We have easier orgasm. We have better lubrication, stronger erections, that sort of thing. And so if you take as an example, you know, the effect of food on that, you know, there's lots of research to show that food affects that entire trifecta of great sex. So for example, if you look at leafy greens, which are something that have had a lot of research showing their effect on these three, you will find that leafy greens, first of all, they are loaded with antioxidants, which have been shown in research to strengthen and speed up those signals of pleasure to and from the genitals. What that means is that when our partner touches us, the signal of pleasure is stronger and faster, and that will in turn lead to better, easier orgasms. It will also lead to stronger erections. You know, leafy greens are also loaded with phytonutrients, which promote vascular health. They luxuriate the blood vessels. They increase their elasticity. They promote a decalcification of those blood vessels. So all those those fatty accumulations that build up on blood vessel walls, they encourage the, the reduction of that. And finally, leafy greens can even help improve sex hormones. So most of us go around with a whole lot of stress. You know, we are expected to do so much in one day from working to taking care of kids and, you know, grocery shopping and cooking and, you know, making healthy meals can, can be an investment of time for sure. And we operate with a lot higher stress hormones, you know, cortisol, but leafy greens were shown in research to actually reduce cortisol levels Now, when cortisol is high, that actually reduces testosterone Mm. and testosterone. We all know testosterone is important for guys, but Mm -hmm. most people don't realize that testosterone is critical for female libido as well for arousal, lubrication and all those things. So when, when females have better testosterone levels, well, we have better sex as well. That's very interesting. So basically eating a salad every day, or maybe more than one salad is going to make you have better sex. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's not surprising because, you know, when you look at other primates, for example, you see them eating a whole lot of leaves. You know, humans, we we have kind of lost our way, our instincts. Other animals, they go right to the the correct plant or animal that's going to be most nourishing to their bodies. Whereas we, we don't really know, we kind of rely on nutrition experts. And often this leads to conflicting advice. You know, there's, we have the instruction to eat no fat and all carbs or eat all fat and no carbs, eat all vegetables, eat no vegetables. We, you know, it's really hard to make sense of all this, but if you look at other primates like chimpanzees, for example, which are closest to us biologically and genetically, they eat a whole lot of leaves as do other primates. You know, they spend a whole lot of their time eating leaves and in doing so they get many times the amount of things like magnesium and potassium in their diets, which have been shown in research to make for better sex. We'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by the Spring Cleaning Champions, Manscaped. This season, make sure the man in your life grooms his carpets, and his drapes with the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Have him clear out that winter bush with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 and watch his confidence bloom like the springtime flowers. Embrace the season and have him join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. With our special offer, go to manscaped.com and use code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, for the 20% off and free shipping. Have you ever been doing some oral pleasure and got some hairs in your mouth or your teeth? Well, <laughs> Manscaped can help with that. Try being clean-shaven or spring cleaning. After he uses Manscaped, you can say, hmm, let's get some busy with some spring fever in the bedroom. Try out Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It is an amazing trimmer that features two interchangeable heads, one for taking a little off the top and the new foil blade to go smooth. If you want to go smooth for spring cleaning, make sure you try out Manscaped products. Bring on those smooth skin sexy slaps in the bedroom. And how do you do that? Use Manscaped products to shave clean down in your pubic area. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, all caps at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code RUIN at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in his pants, right? In your pants if you're a man. <laughs> spring clean your groin area. Try smooth. Try it with Manscaped. Well, and then that makes me wonder if you eat, can you eat too much spinach? Can you eat too much salad? I mean, is that even possible? Not really. No. I mean, we'll put it this way. <laughs> Some people <laughs> find, find a way to do, you know, can do, can find a way to do anything in excess, but, <laughs> but, but no, I mean, if you wanted to incorporate greens in breakfast, in lunch and in dinner, that wouldn't be a problem. I, you know, I often recommend to my patients, if you want to start with one change to your diet, that's going to have a pretty big impact, start with lunch, you know, okay. maybe try to get a leafy green salad in there, throw in some, you know, maybe a baked yam or a baked sweet potato or a baked potato with the skin on it, 
or squash or something else that's high in potassium because potassium is another thing that is a real, you know, power hitter when it comes to sex. So humans, we used to take in about 10 times as much potassium in our diets as sodium. And now we take in about 10 times as much sodium as potassium because of all the processed foods that we eat. Mm -hmm. And it really just wreaks havoc on our blood vessels. And, you know, in order to deal with all that sodium, our kidneys have to flush potassium. And, you know, so the more potassium we can eat actually has been shown to offset some of the damage that salt does to our blood vessels. So, you know, getting some potassium, getting your leafy greens, that's a huge step in that one meal. If you just start with lunch and have that one meal regularly, you're going to be getting a huge portion of your daily, you know, mineral targets, for example, just in that one meal. Sure. That makes sense. So if you do eat carbs, you know, like you're saying, you hear people say, don't eat carbs, do eat carbs. Do carbs actually impact your sex life or your hormone levels or what do they do? Do they do anything positive or negative? Well, you know, it depends on the kind of carbs. I mean, refined sugars, there's lots and lots of research showing that it disrupts sex hormones, you know, so Mm -hmm. where it starts is it starts with promoting insulin resistance and Mm -hmm. leptin resistance, which leptin is what tells us when we're full. And when those are disrupted, that then leads to disruptions in sex hormones, you know, disruptions in testosterone, in estrogen and things like that. So, and when one hormone is unbalanced, you see that it's like symphony, you know, everything rely, you know, everything is mutually influential. If one hormone is out of whack, you'll see dozens of other hormones out of whack. So, so things like refined sugars, sodas, baked goods, that sort of thing does is, you know, bad for sex, but, you know, something like potassium, for example, it's hard to get enough potassium in your diet. If you're not eating carbs, because Mm. there are very few foods that have a good amount of them that aren't starchy. And one of the things though, is if you're doing something like keto or you're doing something like low carb, you got to make sure that you really focus a lot more on your leaves, on your leaves, because Mm. that's going to be your biggest source. The other sources of potassium are things like you know, yam, potato, squash, mango, oranges, banana, all of those things have a lot of carbs. Oh, sure. Yeah. They have the natural carbs, the vegetable sugars or the fruit sugars that are just natural, but they're still, they're still sugars, but they're still, they're good for you. Yep. Yep. Exactly. If you're doing something like plant-based, you don't have to worry about that as much. So what, how does diet affect women in particular with regards to libido and sexual health versus men? Well, you know, our diet affects us very similarly, but when I see patients come into my practice, for example, my female patients tend to complain about difficulty achieving orgasm. So they say, oh, it just takes forever. And then, mm-hmm. you know, my partner, his hands getting tired or his jaws sore. And, right. you know, I feel awkward. I feel this pressure to have an orgasm. And, you know, yeah, part of that is because our expectation that we're going to come as fast as male partner is not realistic. You know, that's not right. going to happen for most people, right. but also you can, there are things that you can do to help that because most of us, we notice Okay. Yeah. It takes me longer, but it takes me a lot longer now than it did, you know, 10 years ago, you Mm -hmm. know, so we can speed that nerve conduction, for example. So something like, for example, type type two diabetes is notorious for slowing down those nerves associated with sexual function. 
you know, so slowing down and weakening those pleasure signals. So that's why there are so many sexual side effects of type two diabetes. So in few studies, what they did is they, they supplemented people who were having those sexual side effects with antioxidants. Mm. And then they, they measured the speed and strength of those nerve signals and found that they were faster. Another study measured sexual health or sexual satisfaction. And they found that antioxidant supplementation led to easier orgasm, more enjoyable sex, better sexual satisfaction, better lubrication, all of those things. So that's, that's something that, you know, has a very direct impact on orgasm. It's one of the, the, the best, quickest, you know, most noticeable ways to improve, you know, ease of, ease of orgasm. My male patients tend to come in wanting stronger erections, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe wanting to last longer, you know, for like, you know, sometimes they, they say, well, I have premature ejaculation. And sometimes it's not really premature. Sometimes they are just putting again on realistic expectations. We see, we see all these things in porn and, right. you know, we think that we're supposed to be like that. And most of the time they're just unrealistic. It's just like, a drama, you know, when you watch a movie or something, you skip all the boring parts and you're just getting the meat of it. So it seems (laughs) like, you know, it's not how it would happen in real life. You know, months go by in a matter of minutes, you know, (laughs) you know, right, exactly. And, you know, just because you're not coming that quickly, doesn't mean it's not going to happen. But yeah, I can see how the premature ejaculation could be a real issue is that kind of diet with that eating a healthy diet, would that help that problem as well? Because obviously the orgasm gap is real. It's not something that's made up. It's been scientifically documented. Yeah, there's there's less research on premature ejaculation. But yeah, but yes, it can help with that. I know I've seen patients for premature ejaculation and I know that acupuncture definitely helps with that. At least mm. I've had I've had good results with treating that. But again, you have to have, you know, we're defining true pre- premature ejaculation, not this unrealistic expectation that you're supposed to last an hour with a partner, right? you right. know, like a porn, so, porno. Yeah, right, <laughs> like, right, exactly. Going yeah. and going again. <laughs> <laughs> right. And we don't know what kind of medications they've taken or anything like that. They don't tell us that part. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so men and women can eat the same foods for better sex. It's not like geared towards women or a tip for men. It's the same. Yeah, it's the same. I mean, so optimal hormone ratios are different for males and females. You know, males tend to have better sex with higher testosterone and lower estrogen, mm-hmm. but you know, estrogen's equally important. It's just, it's lower, lower actual measures of it. Whereas females tend to do better with higher estrogen levels. But again, testosterone is equally important. It's just at lower uh, levels. Now, what about women in menopause? Because I have a few followers that will ask me tips about, you know, there some a lot of women experience a, a reduction in libido during or entering or somewhere around menopause. Well, how would a diet or would a diet that is healthy or, you know, diet first, great sex, would that help them? So the diet for great sex has been shown to improve blood flow. First of all, that's one of the, the big things, improving blood flow means better lubrication. One of the things that my female patients in menopause complain of is dryness, you know, vaginal dryness. They complain of low libido, which again, you know, helping to balance sex hormones is going to help maximize libido. It doesn't mean that you won't have any kind of decline, you know, during menopause, but 
people who have the most hormonal imbalance before menopause tend to have the hardest time during menopause with that. So getting your hormones as balanced as, as you can will ease the transition and help keep libido where you want it for sure. And in order to do that, you need to eat the foods that we're talking about. That's going to help balance the hormones. Right. And then, you know, again, even strengthening that nerve conduction, strengthening that, you know, the signals to and from the genitals are going to improve sensitivity, you know, increasing blood flow, improve sensitivity. What that means is that when your partner touches you, the signal of pleasure going to your brain is stronger. It's faster. And the signal coming back to the genitals telling your body to fill with blood to provide lubrication is stronger. When there's better blood flow and then when there's better nerve conduction, that means that we have we feel better. It feels more pleasurable when our partner touches us. And so that leads to increased arousability. You know, there's a difference between libido and arousal. You know, mm-hmm. it's you know, they're, they're different, but that can, that can help with both of those. Sure. That makes sense. Now say you've been eating a terrible diet your whole life and you're maybe, I don't know, let's pick an age 55, 60, and you have, you know, the plaque buildup in your arteries and all that. Are you just screwed or can you still improve your sex life through eating? So, you know, that plaque accumulation First of all, the arteries in the penis and clitoris are among the smallest in the body. And what that means is that blockage shows up there first, be way Mm. before you get any kind of signs of cardiovascular disease that shows up there. And so, um, so we'll notice sexual side effects first. So for example, increased time to orgasm, weaker erections, decreased lubrication, all of those things. So, uh, but you know, it's been thought of as being progressive and irreversible, but now actually we're finding that there is some research coming out showing that leafy greens, that's the only food that's ever shown this in research, but there are a number of studies now to support this, that they actually do have the ability to reduce plaque accumulation to some degree. Wherever your baseline is, obviously, if you're like a 20-year-old, the potential is a lot greater there. If mm-hmm. you have, you know, had, if, if you're say 60 and you have complete occlusion of those blood vessels, it's going to take more time to see results. And, you know, you know, it's, it's going to take a bigger investment in order to, to reverse that. Having said that though, there's a lot that can be done. I mean, again, potassium has the ability to help with that leafy greens have the potential to reverse some of that accumulation. So there is stuff that you can do to, you know, you can, and again, it's not all about blood flow. It's about nerve conduction too. You can, maybe you can't get rid of all that plaque accumulation on those penile or clitoral arteries, but you can speed nerve conduction. You can get rid of some of the plaque. Mm. You can speed nerve conduction and you can help balance your hormones so that, you know, the, you can get the other pieces working as well. So, yeah, I mean, even if you've abused your body in the past, you can definitely make <clears throat> make sex better and prime your body for better sex. Well, that's good to hear. So people that maybe haven't eaten well their whole lives aren't completely screwed. Yeah, right. That's Not in the good. way they want to be screwed. Right. <laughs> right. right. So how long 
before they, people would start to see the effects of eating well? Like, is it immediate? Is it weeks? Is it, you know, what affects it? Is it within hours? Is it, you said it can vary, but say you eat like an amazing meal. And I noticed in your book, you have like a, a meal plan for, a, what did you call it? Date, date night? night? Yeah, date night. Yeah. So does it actually impact it that quickly? Well, you know, surprisingly, yes. Okay. First of all, we should, just like we were talking about, your, it depends on your baseline, you know, mm-hmm. how quickly you get results is going to depend on your baseline. Just like when I have a patient who comes in for acupuncture, you know, it's a, it's a different scenario if a patient hasn't had an erection in years versus right. somebody who has erections every day, but maybe they're not as strong as they, they used to be that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So yeah, it depends on your baseline, but there are lots of foods that have been shown in research to have an immediate effect on sex. So some foods have been measured and they restrict blood flow. They stiffen arteries within a couple hours of eating them and some even Mm. sooner. So for example, a really salty meal has been shown in research to stiffen blood vessels measurably within 30 minutes of eating. Wow. A greasy fatty meal has been shown in research to stiffen blood vessels within two hours of eating in that two hour window. Whereas I omega three fatty meal actually had the opposite effect, increased blood flow and increased our improved arterial function within that two hour window. And then Hmm. you have foods that will dump testosterone. That's, that's important for females. Wow. Yeah. So you, if you spike your glucose, your, your blood glucose, it's going to dump testosterone. It's going to sharply. Really? Yeah. So you don't want to eat that sweet, you know, the, the sickeningly sweet dessert. You might want to do fruit or something, for example. And let's see. So yeah, really sweet meal. And then a greasy meal again, also showed in research to drop testosterone. So a date night sex menu would basically include all the foods that have been shown to measurably either dilate blood vessels or promote elasticity of blood vessels in that two hour window. And it would omit all of the foods that have a stiffening effect or a testosterone dropping effect. But, you know, you think that it would just be a small, you know, a small effect, Mm -hmm. but for example, okay. So nitric oxide is what dilates our blood vessels. That's the chemical in our bodies that, that dilates blood vessels. And so in one study, for example, they gave subjects one serving of spinach and then measured two hours later, their salivary nitric oxide and Mm. found, found that it was eight times that of baseline two hours later with one serving of spinach. So it's not insignificant. It's not going to be like a Viagra, but it's also, it is also significant. It's enough to be measured. It's enough to have measurable improvement in our blood vessels, for example. And when you say the testosterone dumping and that that's just a short-term thing and they could return to normal or return to balance. But so, so it's not like you have to never eat a big piece of cheesecake or something, right? Or a big piece of chocolate cake. It's just... It just means that if you're going to be getting busy and you want to have maximal blood flow, then, (laughs) you know, maybe you have, you can choose the meal that's going to make, you know, for the best, give you the best shot at having maximal pleasure. Although I will say, and I was really excited to read this in your book, that chocolate is an aphrodisiac. So, hey, maybe your dessert instead of a big piece of chocolate cake is a piece of chocolate. 
Yeah. Well, you know what though? Okay. So in my (laughs) book, I have a whole chapter on aphrodisiacs Uh and I tried to just include the ones that had some research to support them. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I hate to disappoint you, but that the research on chocolate, everybody keeps trying to do it because we want chocolate. (laughs) We want chocolate to work. I mean, we like chocolate, you know, Uh but, but numerous studies have actually failed to, to show that it was an effective aphrodisiac. It did have some Mm. other properties though, that like, I think it was a relaxing, it had a relaxing, probably because it's loaded with magnesium and magnesium just relaxes our bodies mentally mm. and emotionally. So sure. Well, that so that's sense. probably why, but there are other things that it were shown to be effective at projects like cloves, for example. I mean, there's not a lot of studies on these things that the ones that I included in the book, you know, they usually have like two or three studies. It's not a lot. It's not oh, a huge sure. body of evidence, you know, mm. but it's fun to, you know, if it's low risk and it's fun to do, you can incorporate them. I mean, one of the few things that actually did have quite a bit of research was saffron. Mm. Saffron has has quite a few studies showing that eating more of it makes for more sex and better sex. So, you know, and it even has a reputation as such. People were advised from eating saffron dishes when traveling to the Middle East, you know, lest they <laughs> they succumb to lust, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> well, that's funny. Well, I have, I, I love to cook too, but I haven't used much saffron. I don't even know what it tastes like. It's an herb or what is it's it? Actually, it's actually the stamen of the crocus plant. So oh, it's, they're okay. little tiny things. And that's why it's so expensive because you have to collect mm. so much of it to get any, you know, measurable amount, but you only need a little tiny pinch in rice and that sort of thing. You know, Cleopatra apparently used to bathe in like a half a cup <laughs> of saffron oh, wow. <laughs> before entertaining her lovers. <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> well, yeah. that's like a huge amount of saffron. I mean, they sell yeah. it by that. They sell it in these jars that have just like a little more than like a dollop of it. I mean, it's like we're oh, talking wow. about a maybe a little more than a marble size amount is how what they sell it in. So <laughs> wow. She had that much. She probably did it all the time too, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, she was a horny girl. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love hearing about things from the past on sexuality. It's interesting. <laughs> and it's changed so much through time. It's just unbelievable, you know? Yeah, it is. It's fun to to learn. I mean, just how similar we are today to in the past, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So are there things that people could eat that, I know you talked a little bit about that, that are bad for sex? Like what foods should we avoid will make it bad? I know we talked a little bit about this already, but is there anything else you want to add to that? Three, the three big ones are, you know, salty, greasy, and sweet, but not fruit sweet. Again, not fruit sweet. Like for example, mm-hmm. if you have berries or apples, those are loaded with polyphenols, which were shown to actually improve arterial function in that two-hour window after eating them. So those polyphenols, which is a it's a type of antioxidant, um, actually do benefit blood vessels. But um, the sweets, you know, the baked goods, the creme brulee is like the worst thing that you could be eating when you're getting mm. busier. Instead of <laughs> taking wanting to take your clothes off, you're gonna go home and like sit <laughs> on the couch and be like, yeah, let's watch Sex in the City again, you know? Crash. You're just gonna crash. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I love too that uh, I saw in your book too that you have a sex smoothie. Like that's a great way to to put it. Like you know <laughs> 
something that's going to catch someone's attention. Be like, yeah, I'm going to have a smooth, you know, obviously, like you said, it is on baseline, but just to think about the fact that maybe what you're eating is not only healthy for your body, it's also healthy for your sex life, I think is a huge bonus for people. Some of the the pre-sex things are the same things that athletes use as a pre-workout or a pre, mm. for, you know, pre-competition. Mm-hmm. So for example, the sex smoothie has beet juice and which beets are loaded with naturally occurring nitrates, which immediately dilate blood vessels, but then in the term they, they promote vascular health. And then it's also got some aphrodisiacs in there like ginger and cayenne pepper as well. So it just gives it a really nice flavor while also dilating blood vessels. Makes sense. So it's fun to eat these foods that maybe are fatty, but they're they're not only bad for our bodies, they're bad for our sex lives. So yeah, just save it for the day after sex, you know, save yeah, it for, for a Monday. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And in, in serious moderation. So how does traditional Chinese medicine promote sexual health? How does that come into play and how can people use that information to help themselves? So um, in Chinese medicine, good sex is considered to be when qi and blood flow freely and abundantly, or, you know, when yin and yang are in balance, you know, when, when qi and blood are blocked is when we don't have good sex or, or when yin and yang aren't balanced or when the essence is insufficient. You know, the essence of sex is considered to be housed in the kidneys and for males, it's sperm is, is our basic essence. And for females, it's menses. Mm. And so when we do acupuncture, for example, when I do acupuncture on people, we strengthen the chi, we move chi, you know, chi movement can be thought of in a lot of different ways, but one way to think about chi movement is simply nerve conduction. Every time, you know, the heart contracts or a nerve fires, that's the movement of chi. That can be blocked with, again, like we talked about, when our diet and our inflammation and other things slow down those nerve signals. So it slows the chi, basically. We can get physical blockages to that chi, like plaque accumulation, for example. And so in Chinese medicine, we eat to promote that free flow. We eat to nourish the kidneys. When In Chinese medicine, a good diet is one that balances the five flavors. So the five flavors are sweet, salty, bitter, acrid, and sour. Uh, We tend in our society to favor the salty flavor and to favor the sweet flavor. And Mm we, you know, that with all the processed foods and we neglect the bitter flavor, you know, the bitter flavor is kale, it's Mm. greens, it's lettuce, it's all those things. And you need the bitter flavor to balance. So we get an imbalance in yin and yang with an imbalance in our, in our diet. But, you know, even when you cook, you can kind of keep those in mind too. When I make a soup, for example, I try to represent all of those five flavors. And I mm-hmm. notice that when I do, the soup tastes better. Mm. A lot of times I'm like, wait a minute, it's lacking. It's missing. It's missing sour. And mm. I squeeze some fresh lime or fresh lemon in there, even if it's a chicken soup. And huh. I'm like, yep, that was it. Yeah, that was, that was the flavor it was missing. 
Oh, that's very interesting. I'll have to try that. That's and I guess it makes sense. I just, yeah, sometimes it doesn't seem like lemon or lime would go with the soup, but it's not like it's a super, you don't have to add so much that it's overpowering. Yep. Just a squeeze. Yep. Yeah. And I've read that the, the Chinese, traditional Chinese medicine says you should limit sex for, for better health. And what's that all about? So the idea is that by it's basically this recommendation is pretty much only for males is that by conserving ejaculation, the semen can then travel along the spine and nourish the sea of chi. And it can just basically nourish the brain. Then there's a Buddhist concept that conserving ejaculation can help conserve energy that can then be used for spiritual enlightenment. Mm. However, you know, oh, you know, we have all these case studies and the education in traditional Chinese medicine, as it's understood today, does recommend this limitation and, you know, gives examples of disease caused by excessive ejaculation or excessive masturbation, things like that. But of course, that term excessive is rather subjective. What I found in my research was actually really interesting. And before Confucianism came on the scene in China, that idea was unheard of. People were encouraged to have more sex. So emperors, for example, they would have dozens and dozens of concubines, second wives, and what they that the vaginal secretions were considered to be nourishing to their essence. And they would Mm. build their essence with the concubines, and only on the full moon they would sleep with the empress. And they Mm. were thought to then she would get all of the benefit of that building of the essence Mm. and produce the strongest, most intelligent, healthiest heir to the throne, for example. But then, you know, there was there was so much regime change and governments were increasingly relying on Confucianism as a way to maintain power and influence over its people, including what they're doing in their private lives. And Confucianism was much more conservative with regard to sex. So it just so, you know, it's hard to to tell how much of this idea came from real, you know, patient patient outcomes versus political influence, if that makes sense. Right. That does make sense. So that, yeah, we can got to consider that when you're listening to that type of research or history and dealing with that. That makes a lot of sense. You can't ever separate the, the politics from things, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally intertwined. So I have a question too. I am a vegetarian and so I'm personally interested in what you have to say about eating as a vegetarian for better sex or a vegan, of course. So the biggest thing I would have to say is this. One of the things I would be paying attention to would be zinc because, you know, zinc is quite bioavailable in meat, you know, in red meat in particular. Mm-hmm. When you eat beans and legumes, it's bound to something called phytates. That's why traditional people throughout the world and throughout history have soaked or sprouted beans and legumes. When you mm. soak or sprout them and then you discard the water, it removes those phytates and makes oh. it so that your body can actually absorb it. So, and zinc is a huge player in so many different things from your immune system 
to to great sex, to how your body deals with heavy metals that you're exposed to from pollution and the environment. Um, Mm -hmm. The more zinc you have, the more your body produces these proteins called metallothionines, which bind to toxic heavy metals and help deliver them from the body. So zinc's a, a big, a big player. So if you, so when you are vegetarian, just make sure that you're sprouting or soaking your beans and your legumes. Yeah. And I feel like I've seen like sprouted, like, like bread or something like something that's, that's a thing. That's a thing, isn't it? I feel like I've bought that before. And I was like, why does it matter? You know? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. <why. laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm sure that's the case with other minerals too. I've just happened to have seen the research on zinc in particular, but I'm sure that's the case for other things as well. Um, they have Z- Ezekiel bread, which is the, it's, I guess it's supposed to be like based on the biblical recipe for bread, but it just so happens to be sprouted. So the nutrients are very bioavailable. So yeah, that's one of those sprouted breads that you can get very easily. You can get it any place. Right, right. Yeah, I, d- I didn't notice it before. I feel like it's becoming more and more of a thing, at least where I am anyway. Yeah. So how does, you talked a little bit about acupuncture. How does acupuncture actually impact sex? Other than, so, I know you mentioned it a little bit, but. So what we do with acupuncture is we put needles along the, what we call the vessels or the meridians or the channels of the body to move chi. And in doing so, you know, we promote the free flow of chi and blood. How, what this corresponds to, these vessels correspond to the vascular system and the nervous system. And the reason this is important is because the nervous system pretty much controls every substance produced by the body. It controls all of our hormones, our neurotransmitters, you know, every substance, when you stimulate nerve pathways, you affect change in the biochemistry of the body, if that makes Mm. sense. So one of the places that I do put needles for my patient, I often put needle in the perineum, whether it's my male or female patients, and that's in between the testicles and the anus or the vagina and the anus, because it's a major crossing point of nerves associated with sexual function. What it does is it has an immediate effect on blood flow And plus it also stimulates all those nerve pathways associated with sex. So, you know, males see stronger erections. Males have, have a, uh, who are dealing with premature ejaculation. It helps with that. Females have better lubrication, better arousability, better blood flow altogether. So that's, that's how it helps. I mean, first of all, you have, Anytime a patient comes in, whether you're treating them for sex or any other condition, we treat the symptoms and then we also treat the patient's constitution. We all have kind of imbalances or, you know, a direction that our body tends to gravitate towards. Mm -hmm. So, so we treat that and, and we're always aiming to treat the root of health rather than just the branch or the symptoms Right. Which is why, which is one of the reasons why I incorporate diet into my treatments and why I want to, to focus on this book, because I feel like the root of sexual health, has to include, include diet. But anyways, as far as Chinese medicine and acupuncture, it basically stimulates certain nerve pathways. That's how we can understand it biomedically. So when we're talking about something like pain, for example, you know, if you were to cut your finger, for example, your body detects tissue damage. It directs the appropriate agents to repair those, those tissues. When we put a needle in the body, 
something similar happens. We that it actually causes a slight amount of tissue damage. Your body directs its attention to it, repairs tissues, but also stimulates those those nerve pathways. In research, we've we've seen that acupuncture affects things like dopamine, like serotonin, epinephrine, histamine, cortisol have all been measured in relation to acupuncture and have been found to to change following acupuncture. So we're talking about blood flow to the genitals. Let me ask you this. What does masturbation and more sex lead to more sex? Like, does that make the nerve conductions better? Does that improve blood flow? So, so in other words, masturbating or sex leads to more sex. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Masturbation has been shown to increase testosterone levels and lead to more desire and, and stronger libido for sure. Okay. Well, that's very interesting. There's another reason to go have fun, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Absolutely. I like in the book, how you include like case studies. I don't know if they're based on real people or real, you know, real patients, but I just think that really helps people like get their, wrap their brains around this instead of just only talking about all the chemical stuff and all the science. I think that really helps for me anyway, it really helped me. And I do have a science background, but it really helped me to be like, okay, this is real. This shows how it's like real, you know? Yeah. It's pretty much based on the patients that come into my office. So I didn't kind of use, like I picked and choose, you know, I did a little picking and choosing, which, you know, parts of different patients to kind of create this picture of a typical patient. Typically my male patients complain of you know, they, they want stronger erections or they complain of premature ejaculation. My typical female patient wants to have an easier time orgasming, wants better lubrication, wants stronger libido. Um, those are three big things. And so let's see, where was I? I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it when that happens. <laughs> that happens to me too. <laughs> um, let's see, we're talking about men want stronger erections and women want more lubrication and faster organisms. And yeah. let's see, what else did we say next? Or what? <laughs> Yeah, well, at any rate, you know, that's what they, they, oh, you were talking about the case studies. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. So, th- so those are kind of examples of patients that have come into my office. Some of my patients are really excited about making major changes and other patients just want to make little changes, you know, and, and I try to meet patients where they're at and how they're, what they're ready to do, you know, to begin with. And there's, there, there are small things we can do. And then there are big things that we can do. Now, this is a question that everybody talks about, like in erotica or just in the sexual community, not safe for work. The taste of our excretions, our sexual excretions or cum, does food actually change the taste of that? You know, so many people ask me about that and I've looked a lot. I saw a couple studies that didn't have really conclusive results. So the answer as of right now is it's pretty much all anecdotal, really. Sure. Yeah, there's not there's not good research on that. Right. Well, I would imagine just like with anything else, healthy foods probably improves the taste. Right. You know, I mean, that just makes sense to me. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me too. Yeah. I mean, eating more healthy improves people's breath, you know, and improve. And so I would imagine yeah. it, it improves, you know, just your overall um, smell. In Chinese medicine, we use smell as a diagnostic measure as well. 
I mean, not smell me. I'm not specifically referring to people's <laughs> genitals. I don't smell my patients' genitals. <laughs> like dogs. I, don't <laughs> I mean, like body odor, breath odor, you know, uh, that sort of thing. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Come here. I'm going to sniff you and see what's going on. With you. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> it's funny. Okay. So, like foods to eat and some of the foods that I, I jotted down in my notes when I was reading your book, uh, mushrooms, berries, mangoes, walnuts, fruits and vegetables. Those are top foods to eat. Is that what yeah, I'm understanding? And le- leaves. I would say above everything, leaves are the leaves. biggest thing I push. Um, that's the biggest bang for your buck. But, you know, I love I love mushrooms. Mushrooms. So fascinating they have the ability to improve this entire trifecta of great sex. There is lots of research showing that they improve cardiovascular health, that they improve hormonal health. Um, They're loaded, loaded with antioxidants. And remember that that has the ability to strengthen and speed nerve conduction to and from our genitals. So that's more pleasure. But the coolest thing of all about mushrooms is the way they operate in the body. There's all this research showing that each mushroom has an effect, a unique effect on the microbiome and on specific microbes in the microbiome, which is really fascinating. There are studies showing more and more just how important our microbiome or the delicate balance of bacteria and other organisms in our digestive tract is to all aspects of human health. So for example, in one study they did with rats. They, they had rats who had high risk of cardiovascular disease. And then they transplanted the feces of these rats into the digestive tract of healthy rats who did not have high risk of cardiovascular disease. And shortly after they too developed high risk of cardiovascular disease. So something that you would never associate with our digestive system, you know, you, is, you know, in just, just like sex too is. So mushrooms do is they promote beneficial microbes and they reduce populations of ones that are considered not as good. And again, even your white button mushrooms, you don't have to get fancy. Mm -hmm. Even white button mushrooms were shown in research to improve the biodiversity of the um, microbiome. So they're, yeah, they're just, they're just amazing. Some that are in particular really good for nerves are lion's mane. Lion's mane, mm. I use those in my pasta sauce. As a matter of fact, I have some in my refrigerator today. I'm going to go make some sauce nice. <laughs> <laughs> and they taste good. They taste very, they don't really taste like anything. So you can just add them to your spaghetti sauce or you can oh. take them in a, a sub. They have supplements with lion's mane, oyster mushrooms. I love those. Then there are some that are just medicinal, like cordyceps and reishi mushrooms. I, I haven't seen those used in food, just just in supplement form. I think it's interesting because I feel like kind of the attitude of a lot of people are mushrooms are just kind of fluff. You know, like yeah. they're not like they're not like considered as good as like like salad or spinach. So it's interesting to hear that they actually are really good. They're not just this fluff thing that's you know, taste good, you know, it actually yeah. is really good things. Yeah. And if you don't like mush, if you don't like the taste of mushrooms, what I, I have a recipe in my book for chaga mushrooms. Mm. I have a chaga chai latte. Oh, chaga nice. is this woody fungus that grows on 
birch trees. It grows in between the bark and the, the wood part. And it emerges as this like black woody knot. Mm. And it was used in World War II as a coffee substitute because it tastes really nice. It turns the water the same color as coffee. And it has mm. a really nice vanilla flavor. Wow. Because, you know, chemically, the structure is similar to that of vanilla. So anyways, but, but I have this recipe in there where you just, you brew up some chaga and you add fennel, some cloves, some nutmeg, cinnamon, and then put a little honey and, uh, you know, almond milk in there. And you have a delicious chaga chai latte. But chaga is loaded with antioxidants. It's anti-inflammatory. It's antiviral. It's anti-tumor. It has so many different wonderful properties to it. And it's a great way to drink mushrooms without any kind of adverse flavor or texture. Is there any loss of nutrients? Like I've seen like, you know, the dehydrated mushrooms versus the fresh. Are they still good when they're dehydrated? They retain a lot of their medicinal properties. Some of the supplements that I've seen actually use the mycelium, which is interesting. I have yet to really take a deeper look into the differences between the fruiting body and the mycelium. I do know that they do retain a lot of their properties. In general, though, anything you eat fresh is going to be better than, you know, than, than dried. So. Right. um, Which is probably the same with supplements too. Like we were talking about taking supplements versus actually eating the fruits and vegetables themselves. Yeah, exactly. But there's a really good company. It's called host defense and they have really great, they have a really great product. The guy who runs it is obsessed, obsessed with mushrooms and has dedicated his whole life to it and just has a really amazing product, but they use mycelium in their in their supplements. Oh, nice. I didn't even know that existed. I didn't know that there were supplements that had mushrooms in them. Yeah. I would have never looked for that. Yeah. (laughs) But now that I know I can add more mushrooms to my cooking. I love to cook mushrooms. So I think that they are just great. They're just really, and and, you know, so much things you can do with them and add them to just cooking. Does cooking impact them? Like I know again, it's probably fresh and is better, but cooking doesn't really destroy them. Does it? What I've read is that it's actually better to cook them. Some of them, there are some mushrooms, for example, that you want to cook because they may have certain toxic elements. You know, it's not, we're not saying Mm. well, like deathly toxic, but just more, you know, more toxic things that break down when you cook them. So I sometimes find things like chicken of the woods on my hikes. I mean, I know a little bit about mushrooms. Don't try this if you don't know about mushrooms, but chicken (laughs) chicken of the woods is very readily identifiable. Mm. It actually really does taste like chicken. But yeah, no, cooking cooking can actually be helpful to okay. to them and you can add them to so many things. Yeah, it's like any kind of savory dish, you can throw mushrooms on top of it and it makes yep. it taste even better. You know, fish, you throw mushrooms on it, it tastes better. Beans, you throw mushrooms. I mean, anything just tastes better with mushrooms except for, you know, sweets, obviously. Right. Yeah, I that's good to hear cuz I actually like them better cooked than raw on a salad. Like I I'd rather have them be cooked you know, just to me, they just taste better after they've been cooked than when they're yep. raw. Yeah. Yep. So what herbs influence sexual health? I know you've touched on it a little bit, but are there any that are, you know, top ones that you'd like to mention? Honestly, that's the thing. Okay. I, ha- I do have a chapter on this in my book about the, the aphrodisiacs and some of the ones that have been found to be effective, the the, the margin between the effective dose and the toxic dose 
is so small that you have to have caution. I, I wouldn't recommend just blindly taking any supplements without consulting somebody. I mean, any kind of herbs without consulting somebody who knows what they're doing and who can monitor your progress. You know, I sometimes prescribe cordyceps, which again is is a mush- it's technically a mushroom. It's basically a fungus that takes over parasitically the body of these worms. Mm. And then you, the, the whole worm is used in Chinese medicine, whether it's ground up into a supplement or whether it's boiled, but the whole, you know, fungusy worm is used. That's something that, you know, boosts the yang in, that's how I understand it in Chinese medicine, but Mm. it can also cause the heart to race a little bit, for Mm. example. So it's not for everybody, you know, it's for, you just want to monitor and in so many people think that taking a little, if taking a little is good, that they want to take a lot is even better. And that goes with supplements. It goes with minerals. Mega dosing on minerals is not a good idea. Definitely not a good idea, but also randomly taking and trying out herbs can be dangerous. Sure. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, just like with anything, there's moderation. If you just go crazy on something, it's not necessarily good unless it's something like spinach, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. Well, it's good to know because, you know, you know what someone thinking, you know, like what you're saying with a lot of this stuff, it's not like it's a magic button. It's not like a poof. It works. It depends on your body and where you're at to begin with. Yeah. So It's not like taking a Viagra pill. Right. Right. Exactly. And you, you can't expect that because that's not the way it works. That's not the way the body works. And little, very few things in life are as quick as a Viagra pill, you know? Right. <laughs> it's just right. Not exactly. Happen. So what role, I liked your, your discussion too in the book about exercise and how you had this gay couple and, you know, one was really into exercise. He was really gung ho about sex and wanting to do, do all these things. And the other, the partner was like, eh the partner did not exercise. So will you talk about the role of exercise with sex? Well, exercise has been shown to be good for sex in many, in many different ways. One of the most immediate benefits of exercise is in how arousable you are. Mm. Uh, studies, studies have shown that 20 minutes after exercise, we are more, we are more receptive to arousability. So if we want to, if our partner you know, is getting touchy feely, we're more likely to be responsive if, if it's been, you know, if it's right, right after we exercise, not immediately after, but about 20 minutes after, because we might be tired right after, mm-hmm. you know, exercise is anti-inflammatory exercise reduces stress exercise promote, promotes vascular health exercise helps improve our, our immune system. All of those things also benefit sex. So, you know, exercise is good all around. It is. And I remember reading an article, I don't know, they said it was based on actual scientific evidence. Not sure, obviously about that, but they, they mentioned that the clitoris actually enlarged after sex. I don't know if that's true or have you read anything about that? I know that at, when there's blood flow to the clitoris, it does in, enlarge. And, you know, of course the vagina elongates and swell, you know, the vagina and clitoris swell. So mm-hmm. yeah, that makes, that makes sense. It would, you know, as a function of blood flow. Yeah. And that makes sense. That would also be why people maybe have better sex after they exercise or what you're more receptive to, to seduction at that. Yeah. Point. 
Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. It does. So what I like about your book too, is you have these action plans that make it real. I mean, you have, you have, you know, you've got your case studies and then you've got your scientific talk and your research-based talk, but then also you've got actual action plans. And it looked like when I was reading through it, you have like worksheets as well. Yeah. So, you know, I was a counselor for 10 years before I became an acupuncturist, before I went back to school and, and studied it. So oh, okay. I, I have this kind of relationship mindset and I wanted to include a chapter on, well, a couple of things. I mean, one of them is on how to be a kinder partner, you know, mm-hmm. how to think about our partner's sexual pleasure is equal to our own. And, and as such, I included a chapter, it was like a bonus chapter tutorial on oral sex and um, that sort of thing. So in the action plan, I have worksheets, you know, I have one worksheet on kind of communicating our preferences and our needs to our partner and, and on how to bring more kindness into the bedroom. You know, kindness in a relationship leads to better sex. You know, kindness looks like Maybe it looks like giving our partner head. Maybe it looks like, you know, helping our partner out when they're in need. Maybe it looks like listening, mm-hmm. all those things. But they, you know, investing time in respecting our partner and being kind to our partner leads to the best sex. You know, no matter how well we take care of our own bodies, if we have a self-centered approach to great sex, we're not going to have great sex and our partners aren't going to have great sex. Oh, that's so true. Absolutely. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, absolutely. So one food area that we have not talked about at all is dairy. What, is, what, if anything, does dairy do to your libido or your sex life or sexual health? So in Chinese medicine, dairy is considered to be very dampening. And, you know, cold foods, Chinese dietetics don't recommend cold foods either, like foods right out of the refrigerator. Mm. So when you combine like ice cream is, is combining cold with combining very dampening, you know, put it this way, body weight fattiness is, you know, like our excess fat places that's considered to be damp in, in mm. it's damp accumulation in Chinese medicine. So dairy is considered to be very dampening to the body. Some people's bodies can handle that better than other people's bodies can. So if you have somebody who is already maybe uh, yin deficient and they, they're lacking damp, then they might do better with dairy. Somebody, most of us have the other problem, which is too much, too much damp. And therefore it's, you know, it's, it's considered to be like a cloying kind of food. It slows the chi and it's very dampening. So Mm. it's definitely not included in any of my recipes or in the great sex diet. And for some of my patients too, I've noticed that dairy can be inflammatory. So some of my patients who have joint pain in their hands and, and other things that can be it can be inflammatory. There's some research to support that as well. But again, not everybody's the same. I have people mm-hmm. who, who do just fine on dairy. Yeah. Yeah. And these days there's so many alternatives to dairy. And I feel like more and more that's becoming on the market where people can get different things, almond milk, soy milk, you know, on and on and on. Yeah. That's yeah. actually the focus of my daughter's whole blog. She has like a blog. She has oh, nice. Instagram. She's the one who, who developed most of the recipes in, in the book. She's oh, cool. wholesome hedonista and on Instagram, she has got tons of recipes that are all dairy free. They're grain free and dairy free because she herself eats dairy free, but, but yeah, there's lots of different 
alternatives. All of her recipes are amazing and they all look amazing. They taste amazing and there's absolutely no need for dairy in them. That's very cool. Yeah, that's really neat. Good for her. That's pretty cool. So I just forgot what I was going to say. Oh, I know what it was. Oh, no, I just remembered it now. Okay, so I remember reading at one point how soy was something like increased estrogens and was bad for pregnant women affecting the, you know, if they're having a boy, like impacting the sexual organs of the fetus. Is there any validity to that with estrogen with soybeans? You know, there was a, yeah, there was some research that came out about the phytoestrogens in soy and, you know, so certain cancers and things like that can be sensitive to estrogen. So there was this idea that it could promote inflammation or have an increase in certain risks of cancer, that sort of thing. But then there were follow-up studies that just showed that they weren't they, they were phytoestrogens, but they weren't the same phytoestrogens that have that negative impact. Mm. So they're less of a concern, but, but that got so much attention that a lot of yeah. people don't realize that. I mean, having said that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't base my whole diet in soy, but I wouldn't base my whole diet in, you know, eggs either, or in right. you know, anything, you know, you overdo it on any one ingredient, but if you're having it as part of your part of a healthy diet that includes fruits and vegetables, I wouldn't worry about it myself. Right. So it kind of got a bad rap from whatever was looked at in the past. But so many people seem to have embraced soy. But yeah, I just was curious because I remember reading that at one point and I was like, wow, that's still the I used to think of that being a healthy thing. And then they're just Yeah, to- <laughs> right, right. Doesn't make much sense. So all of your recipes in your book, what's your favorite one? Let's see. Oh, there's a lot of good recipes in there. Oh, hmm. Okay, hold on a second. I'm just gonna just quick. I got my my thing here. The mushroom makani. My daughter made that up. Oh, so good. Oh, the chipotle inspired mushroom sofritas are so good. Mm. Um, you that would, actually you would enjoy that recipe because you're vegetarian. Yeah. Um, have you ever have you ever had the sofritas at Chipotle? The sofritas no. bowl. I keep it's seeing a, that. Yeah, it's a spicy, instead of using meat, they use a spicy shredded tofu. And okay. um, then they put it over rice and beans. And then they have like guacamole on top and salsa. It's really good. So this is a Chipotle inspired sofritas mm. bowl. But instead of, actually, I developed, I developed this recipe that my daughter took it over and she kind of tweaked it a little bit because I had found some puff balls in the side of my yard. So I shredded them up mm. and spiced them with this um, you know, season that was kind of like Chipotle and mm-hmm. did the same, did the same thing with them, but you can use any kind of mushrooms. After that, I made them with, I think just like regular brown mushrooms or something that I shred up. They're delicious and they, they're so good. I made them for the office one day and everybody loved them, but that's probably my favorite recipe. You just shred them, season them, and then you serve it just like a burrito bowl. And that's a great way to get all those antioxidants in, into your diet. Yeah. I need Uh, to try that. I keep seeing that and I never, I never select it. So now I need to select it. (laughs) Yeah. I make a really nice guacamole and salsa. I had to include it in there because everybody asks me to make it Mm. and it's loaded with so many different things that are great for sex. You know, it's got lime juice, which is loaded with vitamin C. Of course, that is, is great for sex with the strong antioxidant property. 
And of course, actually, vitamin C was shown in research to have a very rapid, to rapidly improve mood. So, Mm. you know, nobody wants to have sex when they're in a bad mood anyways, but it's just overall, I recommend that to my patients who have anxiety and depression as well, because it's a nice with that and potassium actually, and not potassium supplements, but just eating potassium rich foods, because both of those have quite a strong effect on mood with, with potassium being a longer term solution, vitamin C works very quickly. So if you're having like a, you know, a stressful day, you take some vitamin C and it can help you, you know, deal with that a little bit better. Yeah. So grab a glass of orange juice and you might feel better. Yep. That's a great solution to try. (laughs) Lemon, lemon water, or even keeping some like vitamin C gummies on hand is, is nice, especially if you're prone to anxiety. That's really good to know. That's a really good tip. But yeah. So, and then there are other things in the guacamole that are great for sex too. It's loaded with a lot of phytonutrients that, you know, were those ones that we talked about that improve blood flow and both antioxidants, that sort of thing. So tell me about your Chatterbait live stream show, Cooking for Sex. Oh, that was fun. That was that was a lot of fun. Chatterbait was actually really great to work with too. They were so nice. And um, basically they had a wellness week, a health and wellness week to support their content creators. And mm. so they had all different kind of segments. And, and so we did a, I did a segment called Cooking for Sex and just went through a recipe. It was all oh, these delicious tacos that I made that were shawarma tacos. And mm. then we, and then we made like a, well, let's see, blackberry margarita as well. Mm. So again, have it, it has tons of vitamin C, lots of polyphenols and antioxidants. So if you're going to drink, I mean, not that I'm recommending drinking or anything, but mm-hmm. if you're going to drink, especially some of us like to have a drink to loosen up and just relax pre-sex sure. or whatever, that's a really good one to choose because it's, it's loaded with all those, you know, those date night sex things, you know, sex ingredients that, that luxuriate the blood vessels, bring more blood flow. And again, oh. vitamin C to improve mood. I think that's great. It's just, those are like little tips that people can do every day for themselves to feel better and to connect with their partner, just, you know, have a better quality of life. So I think just even just those little pieces are something that is easy for people to incorporate. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show and stay in touch. Awesome. And then I will put all of your links down in the podcast notes, you link to your book and let's see your, your social media, you're on, you have a website, you are on Insta, Facebook, and yeah, I'm definitely on Instagram and in my blog, I post, you know, fairly regularly. Well, thank you again. And and I hope you have a great day. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope that you found it very helpful and useful and that you can incorporate some of these things into your own diet so you too can have better sex. I care about your better sex. Yes, I do. And you know, it's not just partner sex. This is about solo sex. If you can improve your blood flow to your genitals, even in masturbation, solo play, hell yes you can have better sex with yourself, self-solo sex. Better solo sex is fantastic. I mean, this is just great. And the thing that's great about it is 
These are healthy ideas. So they're not only going to help you sexually, they're going to help your health in other ways and other, well, in every way, (laughs) right? So find this book on Amazon. I am going to put the podcast notes. I'm going to put Christine's links, the links to the book and links to her social media so that you can find her work and get this book. It's a great book. It really is. The things I've already read, I've already incorporated, and it's easy. It's an easy incorporation into your diet, into your life. So you can do this. Anyone can do this and set yourself up for better sex based on what you eat. I mean, and talk about date night dinner plans. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And just to know as you're preparing that meal that you're setting yourselves up for better sex. Oh, fuck yes. This is fantastic. This is wonderful. Take advantage of this, people. This is easy. This is not a pill. This is food. This is natural. Okay, (laughs) get off my soapbox. But I am also going to put my link down in the podcast notes where I have all of my content and all where I am on social media. My link tree, it's called a link tree. And it's got all my links to my erotic books and audiobooks and all my social media and all that yummy stuff. So check me out give me a rating. I would love, love, love to hear your thoughts in a comment, a rating, subscribe to my podcast. I enjoy doing this so much. So I hope that you have enjoyed this and I hope you have a sexy fucking amazing day. Go eat and have good sex. Love ya. Ready for some spring cleaning of your beard and groin hairs? Try out Manscaped products where you can get 20% off with my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to get 20% off and free shipping. In order to get the discount, use the promo code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to do that spring cleaning to get yourself ready for sexy times. Heat up your spring with a new shave, a new trim. Perhaps try going bare. Get more skin smacks in the bedroom, if you know what I mean.